0: So we are uh, taking a look this morning. It's, it's Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is one of those annual holidays which has some pretty strong, significant Christian roots, and it really is a celebration of God's faithfulness and God's provision, and the origins, of course, we know are traced back to the 17th century and the, the, the settlers, the, the colonies in, uh, in, in um, Plymouth, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. It's a hard one to say when you're in front of a bunch of people. Um, This particular colony was settled by pilgrims who were actually trying to get out of the control of the Church of England. And so they came over, and uh, they were separatists from the the English state, and they were looking to kind of form their own... Uh, colony where they could live life on their kind of their own terms, following their convictions, and actually their Christian faith was a big motivator for them to come over into the new world and for them to set up their own uh, their own colony. And so their, their Christian faith was a big part of them. And uh, the 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 first kind of year they were there when they got their first crops. And uh, the first fruits and those kinds of things, they, they held this, this first Thanksgiving to kind of honor God and, and give him thanks. And most of us have a pretty romanticized view of that early Thanksgiving. We, we often in our minds, we see even kind of uh, artistic portrayals where we would think there are, uh, you know, it's this table of bounty just full of produce and, you know, and turkeys and, and baby pigs that have been roasted. And, uh, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, I know a lot of you are, are pork-free, but, you know, some, some of us aren't. And, um, and you know, this, 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 this table just full and all of these people and celebrating and, 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 and we have that kind of romanticized view. But the reality is that things were very hard. The reality is they didn't have a large abundance. The reality is of 100 of them that came over in the Mayflower, a year later, only 50 of them remained. And they actually only had two crops that we know of for that first Thanksgiving. It was not an abundance. It was not this this big royal feast that we often perceive and think of. And sure, it's grown into that in our tradition, but, but the roots of Thanksgiving really is this. It is giving, it is choosing to honor God by giving him thanks when things are difficult, when things are tough. That actually is the nature of thanksgiving. The nature of thanksgiving is this this little group of Christian settlers who are starting out in in this new world and have been decimated in in so many ways, have been struggling and barely making through, and still them getting together and holding a feast to celebrate, to choose to say thanks to God, in this incredible uh, hardship, in this harsh reality of this new life that they were trying to carve out. And that actually is, is more to the true roots of thanksgiving. And so there's this scripture in 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read a, a couple of verses around 5.18. In, in 16 it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying. And then it says, Be thankful in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Rick Warren points out the importance in this scripture. I love how he articulates it. And he says, You know, what we really need to do is focus on the word in. He said, There's a big difference to being thankful for something and being thankful in it. And he clarifies that we're not instructed to give God thanks for the difficult things we face. On any given day in a room with this many people, there's a lot of hardship, there's sickness. There's poor health, there's financial pressure, there's relational strain and brokenness, there's all kinds of difficult circumstances. And and we're not told to give God thanks for the difficult things, but we are instructed to give him thanks in them, in the midst of them. And so there's something about God wanting us to display a thankful heart regardless of how well things are going or not. This past week, I got knocked out by a head cold. Like, I, I felt like I had the worst hangover for like four days. Like, I, my head hurt and my, I, I've been told what a hangover feels like in case you're, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Um, I just like, I couldn't, you were waiting for that one, weren't you? I, I was like, every, everything hurt. And I, I just felt heavy and sluggish, and I was sneezing and wheezing and coughing, and like, I just, and I, I, I fought for a couple of days. And Thursday, I, I just let uh, Ryan know. I said, "You know what, I just cannot come in today." I went and got a bunch of like Tylenol cold and flu or contact C or something, And I went home and I, just, I laid on the couch. I slept until about one o'clock. I tried to I, I woke up and I was like, and I knew, and like, the last thing I wanted to do was sit at home with medication and this head cold and write a sermon on being thankful. It was like, it was the, the furthest thing. It was like the, it was the hardest discipline to get out my computer and sit there in the midst of that. You know, and I, again, it's just a cold. It's not really misery, but in the moment, it felt like misery. It felt, I, it was miserable. And um, I'm sure my wife would tell you that I was probably fairly miserable this last week. And it was like the furthest thing that I wanted to do is to be thankful and even to write a message on thankfulness. And it's a little bit ironic how some of those things work. And yet God says be faithful in everything, even the difficult things. And there's this idea that perhaps cultivating a thankful heart does some other things in our life. It has a powerful way to shape our life and to maybe change the course of our life. And there's something about cultivating a, power, a, a thankful heart that's very powerful to us. Well, the first thing that I would, I would see in, in Scripture is that thankfulness is an antidote for pride. And of course, with pride, we would think maybe of selfishness, of self-reliance, of arrogance, these kinds of things. These, these, are, these are big problems in our culture. Pride in its very nature is focused on self. A proud heart is selfish. And at its core, it, it doesn't consider others. So check out Philippians 2, 3, and 4, where it says, don't be selfish. Be humble and think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. And so a heart that becomes full of gratitude and thanksgiving, what it does is it shifts our focus off of ourselves, And it places it on to God and to others around us. And so there's this thing that a thankful heart cannot be a proud heart. A thankful heart cannot be a selfish heart because a thankful heart is in its nature expressing an outward view. It's expressing gratitude and thanksgiving and looking at other things, looking at God and other people instead of looking inward. And so cultivating a thankful heart It realigns us to look beyond ourselves and see life is about God and God is about reaching others. And when you're going through a a very, very difficult time and you're in a, when you're facing the fire and you're facing the test, isn't it so easy for us to the only thing we can see is just our problem and our life and our need and how everything is hard and difficult towards us. And even though that may be true, Even though it may be incredibly difficult and you do have great need, the more we think of it, that that is as far as we see. And so being thankful helps us to project out and look towards other people and look towards God. Another thing that thankfulness does is it's an antidote for scarcity thinking. Economists and sociologists, even business people will will be aware of this this terminology and this thought, but uh, sociologists, they've documented the impact of scarcity thinking This is living in fear that there's not enough. There's not enough time, there's not enough resources, there's not enough money, there's not enough talent, there's not not enough of whatever is needed. And the natural human response, I think that all of us, this is our default, this is what we all do, is when we think there's not enough of something, we cut back, we conserve. We actually, we hold tighter. To whatever it is we're afraid of losing. Whatever it is we're afraid of not having enough of, we actually, we, we covet more, and we hold tighter to it and, it, and it grows in its importance and its scale in our life. And on the surface, this seems like it might be a good natural response, but in many areas of our life, We have seen and and studies show how how scarcity thinking, what it does is it begins to get to the place where the, the more we let that scarcity mentality take in, the more we let fear control and rule our life. And we don't live a life from a place and a position of power and of strength. We live our life from a place where we're motivated and reacting to fear. And that's a very bad place to be. Fear is a very effective tool of the enemy. There's a book that came out that's called Scarcity, Why Having Too Little Means So Much. And if you just let me read this little uh, kind of summary from one of the chapters, it says this, when we live under the constant reminder, we don't have enough. Scarcity thinking completely overtakes our minds. This is not a, a, a Christian book. It says one study shows asking lower income people to contemplate a $1,000 car repair that it impairs their performance on intelligence tests by 14 IQ points. In the same test, those who had enough funds to pay for the repair had no change in their test results. The fear of not having enough became debilitating. The studies reveal that scarcity captures our mind, it promotes an intensified tunnel vision on the crisis at hand, and it makes us less insightful, less forward-thinking, and less controlled, and we're unable to find a way out. Wise, long-term decisions and willpower require cognitive resources that scarcity thinking depletes. Now, their most arresting finding of the research is that the same effects kick in for all conditions of scarcity, not just finances and money. Chronically busy people suffering from a scarcity of time demonstrate impaired abilities to continually make, uh, they make self-defeating choices such as unproductive multitasking or neglecting family or work. Scarcity thinking is a leading precursor to burnout. One of the leading things and indicators that you are at the the verge of burning out is continually feeling like you do not have enough time, enough energy to get the things done that need to be done. Lonely people suffering from a scarcity of social contact become hyper-focused on their loneliness, and this prompts behaviors and social patterns that render their actual problem worse. And so the irony is, the more we embrace fear and scarcity thinking, the more power we give to the very problems we're hoping to address and to fix. And when we focus on limiting, when we think about, well, we've got to be safe, we're going to hold tight, we're going to, what happens is we limit risk and vulnerability, and we end up losing forward momentum in life. As a pastor, I have to be intentional of not allowing scarcity thinking to take root in my, in my leadership. Being in Christian ministry is maybe not unlike business and some other areas in that there's always, you're bumping up against what, what do we have enough of and what is God calling us into? And there's an element of faith. There's an element of moving forward. There's an element of getting new ground. There's an element of continuing forward. And you know what? We never, God never calls us to step forward into, into all, the, all the certainty of providing. It's always, there's faith, there's risk. There's a little bit of a, of, a, of a hope in God. There's always a tension where we're trying to figure out what is God leading us in. It takes no faith if all of it's already there and all done. And so God wants us to rely on him, not our own resources, not our own strength and our our abilities and our talents. In in the summer, I felt stirred that we should do Alpha. And uh, I felt that it was something that, that, you know, I wondered, can we get it done? Can we pull it off? And you know what? Scarcity thinking is right there hounding me. And I was like, I... It's already the middle of August. I don't have enough time. And I don't even have a leader, never mind all of the volunteers that are gonna do it. Who's gonna do the food? Who's gonna help with the setup? And who's gonna run it? And who's gonna organize it? And, and we can't afford it. We don't have a budget. We don't have enough budget to even meet what, what we're needing right now. And how are we gonna promote it in such a short time? And who's even gonna come? Who, who would we even have come to Alpha? And, and, and you know all of those things on the surface were true. And before you know it, scarcity thinking is right there telling you there are too many obstacles. And many of us live in this place where what we're doing is we're making lists daily of why things can't happen and why things are too hard and why things are too difficult. And if you let fear and scarcity get a hold of your heart, you will never move forward. Personal growth always requires risk, vulnerability and leaning into discomfort. It takes faith to do better. It takes faith to move forward. It takes faith to get new ground. It takes faith to make a difference in your relationships. It takes faith to get your finances in order. It, you've gotta lean in to the discomfort. I'm so proud of this church, this little church and how you stepped up to help us do Alpha. We have an amazing team of chefs and kitchen helpers that come just to serve every week, set up people and table hosts. By 5 p.m. on Wednesday night, this place is a beehive of activity. And, and all these volunteers come in, and we, we're, we're seeing Alpha with 50 or 60 people a week coming. That are, are it, It's amazing. And you know the, the, the best thing? It's all these vol- they're just volunteers you just come here to help. And, and, and a month ago, we didn't even know if we were going to do it. And we started to show some videos and make some announcements. And, and now, all of this community and all these things are. And, and they sit here after all the setup is done. And all of our, these volunteers from our church community, who have come from all busy lives and, and different things about their day, they come and they sit in a big circle on the furniture in the coffee shop. And they take a moment and they just pray. It's beautiful. There's no pastor there. There's nobody telling them how to do it. There's no staff members there. It's just our people. And they say, God, help us tonight. Would you come and would you reveal yourself to people? We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to be present. And it is a beautiful thing. And the thing is, it could have been so easy to listen to scarcity and not do Alpha because on the surface, there was no way it could happen. And I have learned that every good thing that happens in church and in ministry and in my life happens when I lean into scarcity, when there's an element of faith, where there's an element of risk. And every one of those things, it would have been so easy not to do. But God shows up and God does things and, and we lean forward and we lean into that discomfort. So be careful, church. Be careful of not letting the fear of not having enough control you. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and soundness of mind, self-discipline, self-control. Hear me. Fear does not come from God. If you are feeling and wrestling with elements of fear in some area of your life, That does not come from God. Fear is a tool of the enemy. God does not place fear in our heart. God does not give us a spirit of fear. God gives us a spirit of soundness of mind. God gives us a spirit of strength. God gives us a spirit of power, not fear. This is so important. God helps us make decisions from a place of love and power and strength. A thankful heart, a cultivating a thankful heart helps us break the hold of scarcity thinking. It helps us break the hold of fear by getting our eyes off of ourselves and our shortfalls and of all the things that might and could go wrong and it gets our eyes onto God and on his solutions. And it is a wonderful thing that, that cultivating a thankful heart does and transitions us and helps us to live in a place of great appreciation for what we do have instead of thinking about the fear of what we may not have. The other thing I see about thankfulness, and why I said God says be thankful in all things, is because thankfulness builds up community. So you know, being thankful is actually both a vertical and a horizontal act. Vertically, we're thankful to God who ultimately is a source of all our provision. Colossians one 6 says, 1.16, uh, for through him, through Jesus, uh, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So as Christians... We're thankful to God, vertically, we're thankful to God for all of the good things in his life because he is the source of it all. But there's another part of being thankful which is a bit of a horizontal act. And that is directed at our peers, that's directed at our community, at our family, at our friends, our posse, our tribe, our, our squad, okay? It's the people in our life. Cultivating a thankful heart builds community because you share appreciation and encouragement to others. It's one of the most effective ways to build up community and connection. You know, you can never, ever go wrong by showing appreciation and gratitude to somebody. It works every time. It's amazing. You never go wrong. It's never wasted time. It's never wasted words. It's never a wasted card. It's, it's so effective to give people gratitude and to display thankfulness to them. It is the easiest, simplest thing to do and has one of the most powerful impacts on us. As a, as a pastor of the church, I want to take a moment. Because it's Thanksgiving, Would you just let me take a moment and say thank you and show some of my appreciation to you? Uh, I want to thank you for your, your financial support of this community. We have purposed to not let scarcity get in the way and to lean into faith and to lean into a place because we've been on a path and have now stepped in from the beginning of September to be completely, 100%, fully, totally on our own. And it has been a big risk, it's been a big faith journey. And we've purposed not to talk a lot about finances. And occasionally, we have had to come to you and just say, hey, by the way, this is where we're at. And it happened in December last year, we were three months into our fiscal year, and we were $18,000 behind. And we just made a few announcements, let people know, and by the end of that month, that $18,000 shortfall was, was totally looked after. And at the end of August, we were coming into the end of August, and our, it was the end of our fiscal year of being under the leadership of Evangel Church, which we had started that year. And we're starting September moving forward completely on our own. And we let you know that we were $15,000 behind on our budget. That's, that's like 5% of our budget, it's significant. We were $15,000 behind. And by the end of August, two weeks later, we finished the year with $2,500 to the good in our our account at Evangel. So thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the big gifts and the small gifts and the sacrificial gifts. And thank you because it all matters and it all makes a difference. And the fact that people will give generously your generosity has never failed to amaze me over the last year as we began to take this journey of simply being able to say this is where it is and we leave it before you and the Lord works and the, and, and, and the needs are met. And so I want to say thank you. I appreciate that so much. As your pastor, you, know, you need to know that we appreciate that, that we are better together. And whether you gave a little bit or a lot or you couldn't give it all because of where you were, there is a generous heart that is in this community, and I appreciate it. We, we appreciate it. So thank you. I think, why don't we say thanks to the Lord for, for those finances? I think that's, that's a real miracle. And, and we continue to lean forward and, and you know, and, and, and continue to not let scarcity set in in those ways. Another area that I'm so thankful for in our church is our volunteers. So we have, we, there are two services. There kind of two church communities. We have Sunday night, which is primarily more of a young adult community. And uh, it's a a dip. We we do this all over again. And we actually have more things happening in the studio and the streaming. And there's people on cameras. There's a whole other band. Um, Sunday night's really like it's, it's, you think it's loud on Sunday morning sometimes. Just don't come Sunday night then because it's really loud. And um, we have like the smoke machine goes and the moving lights and Jesus shows up and and it's awesome. It's fun, okay? Um, There are a lot of people. To do those two things every week takes a lot of people. We have in our church community a volunteer database of over 200 people who help us and volunteer in our community. We have to have by far the highest level of volunteers of any church ministry organizations I've ever been privileged to be a part of. Our worship people who are all volunteers, our techs who help with video and sound and lights, our coffee shop team, our greeters, our children's ministry workers, our prayer ministry people, our shuttle drivers and small group leaders and affinity group organizers and people who help with admin jobs and and help in, in many areas the one-off event people who we call and ask because we have something that needs to be set up and and food that needs to be prepared for something. Thank you for making us who we are. Our volunteers are amazing. You will hear us say that every week. And one of the strengths of our church community is the volunteers that are able to help us out. You are so appreciated. Thank you so much because you allow us to be who we are. You allow us to do what we do. And we, we get to meet with people. As a pastor, I get to meet with people and pray with people and hear all the stories of things that are going on in people's lives and how Jesus is showing up in their lives. And, and you know what happens? Is all of those things are the result of this community being the body of Christ. Everything matters. Every handshake every hello, every cup of coffee, every note that's played, everything we do every week, the student lounge that runs all all week, all the affinity groups, all the small groups, all the things that happen, it all matters. It all makes a difference. And God shows up and God works in it all because what happens is people become a part of this community and they respond and are part of who we are. And it is you who helps make us who we are. And so I say thank you because it is a joy and it is, it is a privilege and it is an honor to be able to pastor and to be able to serve a church with so many great, amazing volunteers. Would you take a moment and just say thank you to all of our volunteers? Thank you. And I am I'm thankful to our, our key leaders. We have some people who help uh, at a very high level of, of commitment, capacity of people with uh, a lot of time and a, and a lot of help, and they're, they're volunteers. And at the risk of missing someone, I'm just going to single out a few people. I want to say thanks to David and Betty for helping us with Alpha and our affinity groups and helping to step up and coordinate that. We know there are many more people who are a part of those things, but we would say thank you. Look at, how can you tell? David is a therapist. And... Empathetic and, uh, and caring and uh, leading our uh, professional caregivers affinity group. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for all of the time that you guys put in. Deb Young helps us in our foods and hospitality. She goes, like, she's here probably three or four days a week. She makes all the soup for our student lounge. She buys all the food and all the supplies for the kitchen, looks after all the paper plates. At the end of September, she said, said, we went through $500 worth of paper plates and plastic cups and plastic forks in September because of all the things going on. And we don't have like a big storage area where we can order it by like a Costco truck size and just park it. It means we have to go out all the time and get it. And Deb has given so much. We are so thankful because one of our core areas, one of our core gifts as a church community is hospitality. And so Deb enables us to do that. Thank you for all of those things that you do. Cheryl and Tina Marie, who help us in worship ministry, Sunday night and Sunday morning, coordinating all of our musicians and our tech people and all of our our volunteers. And Worship is such a big part of this community and of our church. It's a big part of who we are. We could not do it Without them, if it was up to me to be looking after worship ministry, we would press play on an iPod playlist and all stand there and twiddle our thumbs. We are a community with life and experiencing the Spirit and God's presence because of our worship ministry. So thank you for that. Um, a few others, Mike, Mike Hansom, who is a part of our pastors' council. Uh, I am a completely. Uh, I'm a a green, inexperienced lead pastor. I have no idea how to run a a board meeting and and how to make motions. Uh, I have no idea what it means to become a society and register for Revenue Canada and to talk to a bank about trying to get a bank account and all that's involved with that and all those protocols and all the things. And Mike Hansen has been, God's gifted him with administration, lots of experience, works at uh, Kelowna Christian School, has been involved with societies and charities and boards, has really been a big help to me. And I would say that we are who we are as a church. When I look back over a year ago, and I look back over two years ago and three years ago from where we are, the number one reason that we are where we are and we are who we are is because of our people. Without a doubt, it's what makes us who we are. And I would say thank you to everyone. Thank you to those key volunteers and those key leaders. And there are more. There are many more. Thank you to everyone who steps up and gives over and above to make us who we are. And uh, and we sure appreciate you. Why don't you say thank you to some of those key volunteers. I'm going to get our, our band to come. And uh, our worship team is going to come. And we're going to get ready to, uh, to close this morning. And um, I want to say this as we, get, as we get ready to close this morning. Uh, I know that our church is far from perfect and just as every family and every business and every church, we we, we have strengths, we have weaknesses, we do some things good, we we don't do everything good, Uh, Eugene Peterson tweeted, uh, I, I really love this, he says, the problem with churches is they're made up of sinners and to make things worse, they're pastored by sinners. And I I think that is so true. Uh, I give thanks to God that he allows me to pastor a church where I can be myself, where we can be true to who we are. I think of all the places in all of Canada that God could have sent me, and he he sent me to Kelowna. And the the church that we get to do and be a part of, uh, I'm so proud of this community and what it's becoming. I'm so thankful to God that we didn't give up. I'm thankful to God that we didn't listen to scarcity thinking, that we didn't just kind of stop and that we continue to lean into the discomfort to become who we are. I'm thankful that I get a pastor here. I'm thankful for this community. And you know, when we look back, say where were we a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, some of you maybe you're newer and you don't know all of our story and all the things that have happened and it's just been awesome. It's been exciting. It's been great. And I think of where we will be a year from now or where we'll be two years from now and what God will do and the same is so true in your life. That when you look back, you may have gone through the crappiest, most difficult, hardship-filled year the thing is we can look back and at least we can know this that God was with us God is with us and we choose to say thank you to the Lord because it takes our, our focus and our attention off just the things that are in front of us the obstacles where all that scarcity thinking we say you can't it's not enough and when we, we look past it we look through it we look beyond it and we fix our eyes on Jesus who is our prize and we run the race that he's called us to run Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for all of our amazing volunteers. Thank you for looking after our finances. Thank you for providing people in every area that there's 50 or 60 people a Wednesday night that come and hear the gospel and hear about you at Alpha. And there are small groups and there are things that happen and people that are blessed and ministered to because people take time out of their week. Thank you, God. And help us to remember this this passage in 1 Thessalonians that would say that we give thanks in all things. And for all of those that are here this morning, and they are in the valley, and they are struggling, and there is bad news, and there is heartache, and there's loneliness, God, I pray that you would surround them with your presence and that we would be able to see the presence of God and the faithfulness of God in our lives. Thank you for this community. Thank you for our families. And Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to be a blessing to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being a part of.